0: Aloy Jimenez has been medically cleared to resume baseball activities at the White Sox complex in Arizona. This phase of the rehabilitation process is estimated to take a minimum of four weeks, after which Aloy could be cleared for a rehabilitation assignment with a Sox affiliate. The Chicago White Sox Twitter account put that exact statement out on Monday, there remains no set timetable for Jimenez's return to the major league club. Although, let's just do some math real quick, my friend. Ed, you add four weeks to Monday and you get to July the 12th. You give him three weeks down in A or A or single A or wherever you put him. That's much longer than what Adam Engel needed. He could be back realistically to start off the month of August, and that's huge.
1: Oh, that's absolutely enormous for them to get him back. And if you think about it, let's play the optimism game, shall we? And let's say that he has four weeks of baseball activities in him and doesn't even need a three-week rehab assignment that he feels good enough after being at the Arizona site to go down and maybe spend, say, 10 games at Triple A. maybe about a week. He could be back in July. He could be. You know, he, he could be back uh, even a little bit earlier. And frankly, he's back a little bit earlier than anybody would have expected anyway. So as long as there's nothing that happens, no setbacks, uh, we could be looking at a very, very good problem to have come the end of July. All right,
0: now I'm gonna rain on your parade. Luis Severino had a timetable for the Yankees to get back and I know he's a pitcher, but he pulled a groin and will likely take much longer now to get through his rehab. Adam Engel had a much earlier timetable than when he actually showed up. Jace Fry, where did he go? I remember when he was supposed to be back in May. Remember that? So you don't know yeah. until the guy is actually back. So I, I'm sorry to, uh, to rain on the parade of good feelings because until he is back, uh, we are still with the team that we have that has some offensive deficiencies. And remember, rain can cause water in your basement. That's why we are sponsored By Family Waterproofing Solutions, go to FamilyDry.com right now or contact them at 708-330-4466 for anything from water in the basement, bowing walls, issues with your crawl space, your concrete is rising and lowering in weird ways, gutter services, window wells, sump pumps, you name it, they'll take care of it. I talked to a Sacks in the Basement listener just this week who told me he got a big savings. Just for mentioning socks in the basement, he said the estimate was already lower than the other people he had gone to, and then they took even more money off. Go out and reach out to them at familydry.com. And a guy that should not be on this team anymore. When Aloya Menes gets back, he could go today, and I'd be okay with it.
1: What's this tomorrow look like? Is today or tomorrow? Can we can we just you know get him on a train somewhere? Adam Eaton. Yeah,
0: I'm done with Adam Eaton. You know, I, I had a couple of people on Twitter after I posted, basically, that I was done with Adam Eaton the other night, try to argue with me. One guy said, well, you know, he's a, he's a 0.1 war, so he's at least replacement level. 24 hours later, he's back to zero. Right, yeah. <laughs> that means he's earned your team nothing through every game of this season. Brian Goodwin's already gotten you a third of a win, and he just showed up on this team. And I, I want to just, for comparison's sakes, for anybody who's, who's sitting there saying, oh, we're being too hard on Adam Eaton. Uh, Adam Eaton's at the end of a career. It was a nice little career. He had a great stretch there from the time he was 25 years old, really, when he got to the White Sox. Those first two years in Arizona, 23 and 24 years old, he was productive. He had great years with the White Sox, great years with the Washington Nationals. He fell off with the Nationals in 2020. That's why he was available. In his shortened season, over 41 games, he had an OPS of 669, the lowest he had ever posted. His OPS plus, where 100 is the average for all players across Major League Baseball, was only an 82. And so far this season, it's an 80, and that OPS is at 641 through 54 games. The hope was that 2020, because it was a shortened season, he would bounce back. Some players in Major League Baseball have bounced back after the short season and having a bad 2020. This is what Adam Eaton is. And it's very comparable to the last year of Edwin Encarnacion's career, unless somehow he all of a sudden rises from the dead. Last year, over 44 games, similar amount of time. Here's a guy with a 157 batting average and a 627 OPS. Adam Eaton over 54 games, 195 batting average and a 641 OPS. Let's talk about Yonder Alonso. He finished his career, not, not with the White Sox. He went to Colorado for a little bit, but in that final season he had in 2019, his 67 games with the White Sox, a 178 average, and a 576 OPS. That's also bad, and we jettisoned those guys. I, I don't think Encarnacion remains on the team if it wasn't a 60-game schedule. You know, they, they were trying their hardest to kind of give him the respect of a veteran, but also getting him out of the lineup there towards the end. And I feel like right now, the longer that Eaton's on the team, the more Tony La Russa is tempted to fall back on, well, I've got to give my veteran a chance. I want Engel. I want Vaughn. I want Goodwin out there all the time. I want Lamb moved out there every once in a while, although he's going to have to start hitting in the DH role a little bit more because Mercedes has fallen off. Adam Eaton is in the way. I think when Hamilton gets back, it's over.
1: It's got to be. Uh Looking at the guys who are producing, you can make the case that Goodwin is just here as a temporary measure, that he was brought up just to be pure for the moment and as a fill-in, and then he can go away. But the reality is, is that Goodwin is a little like Eaton in in that he has had better days in the past than he had in 2020. The difference is, is that Goodwin is still coming back and still has an opportunity he wasn't really given much of a chance he was shuttled between two teams last year between the angels and the reds and he was doing okay for the angels 242 average 793 ops it's pretty decent you know over the course of 30 games his 20 games in cincinnati were a disaster he was 163 and a 563 ops and cincinnati was just like look we got a ton of outfielders we don't need this guy
0: brian goodwin a lot of people are like well he couldn't even make the pirates he wasn't there to make the pirates That's a rebuilding team. He was brought in as a measuring stick for guys to compete against so they could figure out who was going to earn the job. They've gone through like five center fielders so far this year. They are a rebuilding team that has an awful lot of work to do over the next couple of years. But Brian Goodwin's career OPS against lefties is over 100 points better than than Eaton. And he's only a little bit behind him against righties with his OPS. He had a better 2020 than Adam Eaton did. His numbers were better on both sides against lefties and against righties. His overall numbers were better in the 2020 season. He's a better signing. The problem is, and let me ask you this question, will the White Sox DFA a guy that costs their owner $8 million? Because Jerry doesn't like paying guys and sending them home. He hates it. And when Rick Hahn comes to him and says he wants to make a deal and take on salary, the first thing Jerry's going to bring up is, yeah, but what about Eaton? He cost me $8 million and you got rid of him. I that I I feel like that's something that hangs over the head of any general manager that Jerry Reinstorf has ever had. And Rick Kahn, although he made some very nice moves in the offseason, his owner is not going to like the fact that an $8 million player is useless and he wants to throw him off the team.
1: And it's also the third year in a row that money was spent on a guy like this, because, like you said, they got rid of Yonder Alonso in 2019, who was not an inexpensive signing. And comparable to Eaton. But the, the you know, I, I don't know that this is going to come down to that versus what you have in the production and what you have available to you. Eaton is very clearly done and he is not doing anything on the field that would justify continuing to have him up there. And if you look at Billy Hamilton, I mean, everybody looks at Billy Hamilton, like he's this creaky old veteran. He's, he's only 30 years old. He's just been around for a long time. You know, in some ways, his value is way better than what Eaton could bring to the table and cheaper. Now, is there a market for Adam Eaton? Probably not. He's bringing the grindiness, right? I mean, Goodwin the other night with the diving play on what would
0: have fallen in front of most outfielders. OK, that was remember, that was one of the things we wanted some attitude on his team. Kenny Williams was like the only thing he talked about the entire offseason was the Eaton deal. He was so right. excited. Yeah, about it. We attitude. need to find we need to find some attitude. We need to find like some grindiness or whatever he said. Right. Well, guess what? He's not even doing that. OK, I- I'm hearing Steve Stone rightfully so asking why he doesn't have an inside the park home run last week when he's just jogging around the bases in the replay. OK, we're watching balls get dropped by shortstops that roll into the grass. And Eaton can't beat uh, that guy going back, picking up the ball and flipping it to second, going first to second. And he's still forced out on something where he would have made it if he's going full speed. And so he's not even doing the grindy things. Like the stuff that we were told, well, you know, he's going to bring in that stuff, you know, that that he's going to do. He's not even doing that. He's not producing with the numbers and he's not grindy, if that's a word. I've used grindy way too many times here. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. You work hard you've earned it red wing shoes have you noticed this thing they're doing with the all-star ballot online when you when you go to mlb.com that they're putting they're putting the first second and third place voters like they're putting a little symbol next to their name and I don't remember this from previous years maybe I'm crazy but it, it I just feel like if you don't have a first a second or third next year you're never getting a vote after they start doing that right oh, because yeah. there's so many casual baseball fans that are gonna be like well I mean, I'm not even going to look at anybody else because obviously the majority thinks these are the top three guys. So which one of those three guys am I going to vote for? Now, the good news for the White Sox is they've got guys like Juan Moncada sitting second and chasing, and I still think he's the most legit starting all-star player on this team. You know, Grandal second as well, but Sal Perez in, in first place, I think I read something like you could take the next six guys after Sal Perez and add up all of their votes and he's still beating them. So, and yes. deservedly so, he's going to be the starting catcher in, in the All-Star game. But I would get out there and vote. Uh, there's, there, I think you get five votes a day. Well, let's get some of our guys in there as starters. Uh, a guy that you can't get in there, but I think could be the answer. I still, I still think we need to have a trade here, Ed. But could be an answer. Let's not forget Danny Mendick was up for a gold glove uh, last year. He was actually a finalist for a gold glove at second base. And he's showing it. And I like seeing a Danny Mendick out there. And I think Tony LaRusso is figuring out very quickly, even though it was originally stated that Liuri will get the majority of starts there. I think he's already starting to figure out Danny's the guy. And I think Danny should be the guy over there more often than not.
1: Well, you know what? We sort of dismiss Danny Mendick as being a, not a prospect, right? He's just a middle infield type of guy. But his minor league stats aren't terrible. You know, at two fifty nine average, a 740 OPS for a guy who's going to play really good up the middle in sort of a traditional middle infielder role, um, that's, you know, that's not bad. He's not, in his hit tool and in his offensive profile, he's not good at any one particular thing. Like, he's not a huge power hitter. He's not a huge base dealer. He's got 67 stolen bases in his minor league career, but he's been caught 31 times. So he's not great. But here's the thing: his strikeout-to-walk ratio, not bad. Career strikeouts in the minors, 368 to 227 walks. It's pretty decent. That's he doesn't, you know, he, he gets on base at a 344 clip in the minors. He just doesn't have a ton of power. But neither does Nick Madrigal. Now he is not Madrigal in terms of being able to frustrate guys and, and hit over 300, maybe. But right now, in his major league career, over 81 games, 250 batting average, 694 OPS. That's respectable. He's got seven home runs, which is decent, actually, for a guy who doesn't profile as a power hitter. So if he is going to play gold glove second base and hit, you know, league average or slightly better, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I mean, I I would I would take that.
0: And there's not a big drop off. Like, here's the thing. He's a much better hitter against right handed pitching. Uh, He's not very good against lefties, but Garcia's not very good against lefties either. Not for his career, not so far this season. No. So, I mean, like, you're, I think there's a defensive drop off when you put Leary out there. I don't think that they're going to. Leary is not a good second baseman. No, he's not a very good. Se- that play the other night where, you know, unfortunately, we had the rain delay, right? Hendricks loses it, yeah. gets aggravated, throws the ball off to the side. That was hysterical. I love him.
1: <laughs> yeah, which like, was funny as, as, as all get out. Just him getting a ball back from the up looking and just chucking it into the bullpen, or the dugout, rather. It
0: was brilliant, and I absolutely loved it. Okay. And, and then they come out of the rain delay, and of course, because he's coming out of the rain delay, he makes a mistake, he gives up a home run, uh, and and the game is tied. Mendick starts off on second base, and the White Sox finally figure out how to win an extra inning game with a guy starting on second base, right? But Mendick not only does a great job getting to the plate and beating the throw, but then he's the final out of the, of the inning. He, he's the guy who gets the final out of the inning by getting directly behind second base and making an incredible play and getting the base runner to finish the game. If that gets through, we're going on to another inning, at least. Or maybe we don't even get out of that inning and we lose. And and that's the difference between his defense and Garcia's, because the moment I saw that play, the first thought I had in my mind is, Leary Garcia does not make that play. That's a tie ball game right there, if Garcia's playing at second base. So I think that even though, you know, with both of them not that good against lefties, and and Mendick having the edge against righties, hitting-wise... I would like to see him there more often than not going forward unless we go out and make a trade.
1: Yeah, you know, you look at things like range factor. Uh, you look at things like the uh, the runs, basically the runs saved per game that, that Mendick has, defensive runs saved above average. He's an above average to really good second baseman. Larry Garcia is in the negative in those regards. He is not a good second baseman at all. And that means he's got limited range. That means he does not save runs for the team. And if they are going to contribute offensively, if you're looking at what Mendick is capable of, or at least has shown in his young career versus what Larry Garcia is at this point, And Garcia has been around a long time at this point. He is what he is. He's not going to make another leap. Mendick at least has the opportunity maybe to do some things to improve or find a niche within the lineup, right? Garcia is a career 250 hitter. He's just—he's not good offensively. What Garcia's value is to a team is he can, in a pinch, come in and give a guy a break anywhere on the field. If you are in a National League park and you need to make double switches, Garcia can come off the bench and play anywhere. If you have a short-term injury, Garcia can come in and fill in capably in the short term. He's not an everyday player, so you're right. What you need to do is you need to give Danny Mendick the opportunity to play every day and see if he can be the guy And then you don't need to go out and make a trade to replace Nick Madrigal, who should not come back this season. Or if you're not going to invest in Mendick, then you need to go out and get a guy and and stop this Larry Garcia thing, because he's a below average defensive second baseman. And frankly, over the course of his career, he's just, he's not a very good hitter. We said it before, he's a Swiss army knife, but he's a
0: Swiss army knife off the bench that if he's playing every day, you're in trouble because he's the kind of guy that would be playing every day when you were rebuilding, not when you're built he's not at that level i know some people love him i i see his his jersey out there every once in a while he's a nice player to have on your team but he's not an everyday guy
1: i've had some folks tell me they want him gone that that he should be the guy that gets dfa'd when when some of these guys come back and i wholeheartedly disagree i think Leary garcia belongs on this team but i just i don't like him playing every day And on Tuesday night,
0: I was out at Cork and Carrie at the park, just having a couple of beers, brought the wife to the game, but beforehand I wanted to go head over there to 33rd in Princeton because... The food is incredible. She's heard me talk about it. She she wanted to try one of the award-winning burgers. Uh, she settled on the Latino Burger, one of Chicago Tribune's top 10 burgers of the year. It's got queso, chorizo, avocado, and the chipotle mayo. The cork with the pork, which is the signature burger that has pulled pork on along with cheddar, coleslaw, and pickles was my choice. And there are so many other options there. Look, before you get into the ballpark and have to start paying ballpark prices, why not enjoy some great food over at Cork and Carry at the park? The perfect place to pregame, in game, or post game. And remember, they're open all the time, not just on game days. And also remember, you can rent them out for parties, watch parties for your friends, watch parties for your families, watch parties for the people you work with. Who wants to hang out with them anyway? Go to Cork and Carry at the park next time you're down at the ballpark. 33rd in Princeton. Remember to check them out at Cork and Carry at the park. Com. All right. So Major League Baseball is cracking down now on the illegal substances on the ball. And I understand that they needed to do something to crack down on this crazy, ridiculous stuff that was getting put on the baseballs this year. These chemical substances that are way over the top. Spider-tack is the
1: popular one.
0: That's right. Spider-tack.
1: It's for strong men to stack stones with, by the way, the, the like the World's Strongest Man competitions. They use that to get better grip on rocks. That's that's what that stuff is used for. To give you an idea of what you're dealing with here.
0: That's what baseballs were compared to a couple of years ago when pitchers were claiming that Major League Baseball had had lowered the seams and changed the surface of the ball and juiced it. So it makes sense that baseball pitchers might have said, I'm going to go get some stuff to put on there to even the playing field. But, you know, that's a whole other argument. Let's talk about what they did here. Because now they are going to be checking Every starting pitcher, they will have more than one mandatory check per game. Each relief pitcher will be checked either at the conclusion of an inning where he entered the game or when he is removed. They're going to be checking the catchers. If they see somebody in the infield go to their glove and they think that they put something on the ball, they're going to be checking them. You know, we're having a hard enough time with balls and strikes, but for some strange reason, we think these umpires are going to do a good job at this. This looks like it's going to be an absolute disaster, and I get why you want to get the substances off the ball. And luckily they're still going to get to use a rosin bag. And in the summer, a little sweat with a little rosin gives you a little bit of stick. But the thing is now we're going to be relying on umpires being able to tell the difference between that and another substance. We're going to have 10 game suspensions with pay, but 10 game suspensions where you don't get to replace the player, the pitcher, whoever was involved in putting the substance on the ball for those 10 games. And I think this is going to be a giant mess. I mean, there's a lot of people that are saying, uh, you know, they had to do something. And I get that they had to do something. But when you wrote the rule, you should have just included all these crazy substances and left out the, the little ones they've been using, like sunscreen. OK, because that wasn't the problem over the last 20 or 30 years. And then they have to come up with a substance that is allowed much like pine tar on the ball so that they know exactly what the pitchers are using for better grip and then move forward from there. But again, this is just another instance where I feel like they get into a room in Major League Baseball and there maybe there's too many cooks in the kitchen coming up with the rules because, to me, this this might actually cause an awful lot of problems for teams, and you're making pitchers go from one thing to a complete other thing, and they're going to get more offense, but they're also going to see the game slowed down by guys getting the balls checked. You're going to see suspensions coming out here. This could get crazy.
1: The, the way the umps are going to handle this, I have two visions in my mind. One is you get an ump who's going to go out there and just immediately toss a guy for having anything that he doesn't recognize on the uniform, and they're just going to go way overboard. Or it's going to be a little like when you had Lieutenant Frank Drebin pretending to be the home plate umpire in Naked Gun, and he goes out there and the guy empties out sandpaper and nail files and globs of goop and everything out of his pants and out of his hat and out of his glove, and Frank's like, yep, he's clean, you know, and and you have Leslie Nielsen playing that role. So you're going to have, I think, some inconsistency there for starters. But I think the other thing, too, is you're right, that they need to legislate what's able to be on there because some of, like, for example, what the use of the rosin is is, you know, you don't want a guy with a sweaty hand pitching on a 100-degree field you know, you get down in, like, say, Kansas City in, in late July where you know the field's radiating heat, too. You don't want those guys losing grip on the ball because not only are they not going to be able to throw precision strikes, but they also can plunk guys very easily there, too. I mean, that's where, you know, a fastball can get away from you if your hand's a little slick. And if the ball's slick on top of it, that's going to be a problem. So you're going to have pitchers that are going to have to still try and do something, but they need to say what they can use and what's allowed. And if they're going to say no spider tack – or you know, there are certain substances that we're banning. Then you need to also say, but here's what's allowed to be used because you can say the same thing for batters too, and they do right. The pine tar can only go so far up on the handle because it's been shown that if it's on the barrel and it makes contact, it helps you, you know, get better uh, better flight on the ball because it gets better backspin and things like that. So you're you're going to see games decided by umpires now over this and probably. At some point and on some level, one of the pennant races, one of the division races decided by an umpire taking a look at somebody's hat or taking a look at someone's glove or mistaking, you know, a a guy sitting there trying to adjust the, uh, you know, adjust the laces on his mitt at shortstop for somebody who's looking for some, you know, glob of spider tack to go handshake the pitcher with.
0: Yeah. I mean, Joe West is going to go nuts on this. Other umpires may not pay any attention. Joe can't wait to catch somebody because he's got to be like the first one to catch someone. Right?
1: I mean, and he's just (laughs) going to throw everybody out. He's, you know, let's say it's the White Sox for some reason, and and someone complains that Carlos Rodon has something on him. West is going to, as soon as he sees it, he's going to walk out. Rodon's going to go, What? And he's going to go, You're gone. Give me your hat. Give me your glove.
0: Grandal fights with every umpire in every game, right? He's constantly arguing. What happens when they go, Can I check your glove? He's going to throw
1: Grandal. He's going to throw Rodon in that situation. He's going to toss. Tony. He's going to toss Miguel Cairo for no reason. He's going to toss Ozzy out of the post game show. He's going to throw out Mendick and Anderson. Mark Burley's going to get tossed. He's not even in baseball
0: anymore. And then we're going to see the dirty laundry getting aired. I mean, remember Mike Schultz, and we talked about it, the, the manager for the Cardinals, his response when his player had to switch hats against the White Sox a few weeks back. And he's the one who started right away with, that's what you're going to police? You got this other stuff out there, but you're going to police that. And he was basically giving up right there in the interview that everybody's putting a little sunscreen on and a little rosin on and doing a little this and doing a little that. And they've been doing it forever. But now you're going to go after that instead of going after the crazy substances. You know, when, when when some manager's pitcher gets hit for a lesser substance that isn't the spider tack, that has been something that they believe has been accepted for the last 30 years, even though the rules say none of it's accepted. You're going to see the dirty laundry just come out. I think in the press, this is going to be one of those crazy things. Like there's no way that this rule gets made. And that's the end of the story. Like everything just continues. Right. And everybody's just like, Oh yeah, we just stopped using the stuff. The game goes on. No, 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 no. This is going to get messy. I think this is going to be like, you're going to see some instance here where somebody's going to get in front of a microphone after their player or they themselves get tossed from a game or get suspended. And all the dirty laundry is going to come flowing out on this one. It's going to be it's going to be a fascinating story to watch because I think we're I think that's what's going to happen. I think the fact that they went with any substance and with all these extra checks that's what's going to happen. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe maybe I'm absolutely wrong about it. But I and you're going to and you're going to see pitchers getting aggravated and throwing the ball off to the side like Liam Hendricks did in that rain delay more and more because they like can't get a grip on this ball. This ball sucks. You guys gave me a juice ball. Like this is this is not the end of the story. This is the beginning of the story. And that's what I find fascinating.
1: Well, it, and we almost had the dirty laundry aired, right? Except the problem is, is that Garrett Cole can't seem to string four words together to form an actual human sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I he, he was about as inarticulate as I've seen a professional athlete in years there. But boy, howdy, didn't he want to just sit there and say, are you kidding me? There are substances that I learned about from the pitchers who came before me, who learned about them from the pitchers who came before them. And this goes back generations and years and years. of God. I mean, this is nothing new. So Cole, I think, wanted to spill that, but in the moment, sat there and went, I don't know how to say this, and I don't know if he sat there and went, I don't know how to say this, or just went, me no words good, or what. But he basically couldn't get it out what he was trying to say, which is, look, I, I'm not going to say I use spider Tech or don't use spider Tech. What I'm going to say is, is that I learned how major league pitchers operate for major league pitchers coming before me who learned from the pitchers who came before them how to do this job at this level and the things that you need to do besides walk out to a mound, pick up a ball, and chuck it at home plate. That's what he was trying to say, but it came out, well, I, I think there's stuff that we, 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 and stuff we do, and, and yeah, you know, and, and that's kind of where he went with it, but he could have done better. So I think somebody who's a little bit more articulate will do it.
0: And it'll be interesting to see how it affects the White Sox because, you know, look, we may not be using spider tack, but I there's no way there's just no way. I'm sorry. I love this team. There's no way that there aren't guys on this team just like on every other team in Major League Baseball that are using something because it sounds like this has been an accepted practice all across Major League Baseball by everybody. We might have a few guys that don't use it, but I guarantee we've got a few who do. So what's gonna change? Is there somebody that we're really excited about out there on the mound that's gonna be very, very different in the coming weeks? You know, that's the other thing that makes me nervous. I got enough unknowns. I don't know when Aloy's getting back. I thought Robert was gonna beat him back, but now I'm hearing Aloy's coming back before I hear anything about Robert. I gotta figure out whether or not Rick Hahn is gonna get rid of Adam Eaton, if Jerry's gonna let him like throw $8 million down the drain, and are we gonna go out and make a trade? There's too many other factors for me to worry about it, except for this.
1: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement Socks in the basement Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere a podcast
0: can be found and always on com.